Welcome back to a new episode of Voice Activated, your Antline audio podcast. I'm your host, James, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Matthew Schaefer, or as you may know him as MS Tech, a very successful YouTube reviewer. Thank you so much for joining me today, Matthew. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, excited to talk today. Excellent. Well, we're going to do plenty of that. So, um, well, I want to start off just getting to know you a little bit. So you want to tell us a little bit about what you do on your channel, how that all started, you know, just give us a little history. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, about three and a half years ago, I want to say the middle of high school or so in, uh, in the summer, I built a computer. I was really into building PCs and the components and whatnot. At that point, I had been browsing Reddit for hours and hours and hours, and I just wanted to share all the information that I was, like, so captivated by. So I made a video about a parts list of the computer I built, and uh, that's really the focus of my channel for the first little bit was uh, PC parts and uh, related topics. I wouldn't actually have any of the parts because I had no money. Um, It would just be, like, talking about the parts and saying, like, these are the right parts to buy. Uh, Then eventually it shifted into, like, consumer electronics with phones, laptops, tablets. And uh, right now, it's it's actually mostly focused on setup-related tech, like peripherals, accessories, and whatnot, and a lot, a lot, a lot of mechanical keyboards. Yeah, as I say, I was watching quite a bit of your channel this week, and you seem to have a love for mechanical keyboards, so I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, I've always, like, even back in the first few videos I uploaded, there were some about mechanical keyboards, so it's always been there, but it was never really a focus on the channel until, like, nowadays. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I actually watched the last one you did uh, on that little white guy. I can't remember the name of it to save my life, but I've, I've got the it saved. The Spectrum. Yeah, man, I've got it saved in my Amazon shopping cart after watching a review. That It was a great review, and that oh, thing that was one awesome. Is crazy. The lighting is phenomenal on it. Yeah, it was like it was the brightest keyboard I've ever seen. I've got one yep. of the old G15s, and I can't even see the lights. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I've sat back and watched YouTube videos and been like, man, I can do that. Like, I could do a review. I've got the personality. What do we not see going on back there? Like, what do you do behind the scenes? Oh, man. Oh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of non-video production that goes into producing these videos. Um, like, I mean, it starts with, like, you get the idea, you need to do some research, figure out if the market, like, how it fits in the market, if it's actually a good video idea, if your demographic will be interested in it. Uh, you need to buy it, you know, schedule it in the schedule somewhere, coordinate that with whoever you're working with, um, you know, script it. And then comes the actual, like, producing the video. So you're filming it. You got the audio, your A roll, your B roll. Um, and then once you've done that, uh, it's uploading the footage. Me, personally, I work, uh, like, not physically together, just all digitally with my editor. So I upload that footage online. It'll take three or four days to edit it. Uh, then a, a different associate will proof watch the first draft of that video, watch it again, make sure it's good, take out any flaws, and then it's the thumbnails and the tags and uploading it. And that doesn't even include stuff like emailing and, like, accounting, which is the worst thing ever. Uh, no one loves accounting. It's it's, oh, just, it's all about figuring out where the money's all gone, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm always like, wait a minute, I thought I had more money. Where did all of this go? Exactly. Yeah, that's business accounting at its uh, core. <laughs> So I'm sure it sounds like this is YouTube channels just evolved over the last couple of years. What are some growing pains that you've had or some experiences that you had that you would go back and tell yourself as a newbie to, like, steer clear of or, like, a piece of advice that would just have made your life so much easier? Uh, there's a few. The, the biggest one I would say that I've learned to do very well now is to say no to a video. 
So if somebody reaches out to me and they're offering a sponsorship or a paid promotion, or even I have an idea, but I, I know it's not a perfect idea, like for my audience, but I really want to do it. Like sometimes having the ability to say no is exactly what you need to produce the right content and to continue seeing growth. So I wish early on, early on, I was very eager to take any type of partnership I could get. Um, and I wish just I could go back there and tell tell myself that like nothing, no partnerships you get right now are really going to matter that much. So just like if it's not perfect, say no and another better one will come. But then also um, a growing pain, I guess, would be my channel had a lot of viral videos. So my growth, even though it was an evolution over time, uh, you know, once or twice a year, there would be a like two, three million view video that would really spike my growth. And it would be difficult to look at that and then have all that great growth and be like, all right, this is how fast I'm growing now. And then go back to like the actual neutral uh, growth rate. So, I, w I mean, I was very numbers focused and having those viral videos as a driving force kind of messed with my head in the numbers because you would see all this great growth. And then you would slow down and you'd be like, why aren't I growing fast? And then you would keep trying to get a viral video. And it was just kind of a vicious cycle. Um, but I'm glad now that I don't think I have too many really viral videos, uh, just a more consistent growth or a view number count. Now, is that something that you focus on personally, trying to find something that's not necessarily going to go viral, but is going to be very targeted towards your audience? Yeah. Yeah. I would say now I know my audience really well. Uh, so that question has become easier and easier to understand and know the answer to. Um, and honestly, it's like people see a channel and rate rank a channel like personally, like within themselves based off of different things. Some people see the subscribers, some people see the total number of views, some people see the most views they got on their popular videos, uh, at least for me. And I think for a lot of YouTubers, how big a channel actually is, is how many views a bad video gets. So if you have a like nothing special, just a plain Jane video that you upload, that's another product, or just a very regular video, however many views you get on that, where it's not even special, it's just your average view count, that's how big your channel is. And uh, recently, the past year or two, I've really focused on getting that average up as opposed to just those big videos. See, now that's in a very interesting uh, outlook on it, and I don't know that I've ever personally heard that, but it makes a lot of sense. I, I like that outlook, that the average of your worst is your best. That's that's a very smart way to look at it. So. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's probably the best reflection of channel size. Uh, I mean, it also goes hand in hand with the business side of it because, um, you know, your income is based off your views. You can't make a steady income off of viral videos because you never know. Um, but if you can get a consistent number of views across every video, then you can turn it into more of a consistent income. Right. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I did. I'm a fan. I do watch. And so I did notice you made some uh, changes to a super popular segment recently called Setup Hacks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what brought these changes on? Um, did the production come a lot harder? Um, and what challenges did it bring for you? Uh, well, that, that series was great. And the changes I made were all like, it wasn't like, I hate this series. I want to get out of it. Um, that series did a lot for the channel too. 29 episodes. I think it was four net 4.8 million views over those 29 episodes and a ton of subscribers interactions because I would give away a product every episode. Um, but really what it came down to was, you know, we're featuring five random products every single episode, 29 products in that's like 145 products we've already featured. And it became a hassle to get five new ones each time. You like, you just really didn't have enough time to, you know, make it perfect. Uh, the viewership kind of plateaued a little bit, so it didn't, it didn't grow anymore. 
Um, so, and even the affiliate revenue eventually started slowing down because it was becoming such a routine type of video to make that people would come and they'd watch it, but like they would know exactly what they're getting. They wouldn't actually even be tempted to buy the products. So instead of just like shutting it down and moving on, we kind of saw it as a chance to retry in a way with that whole idea because uh, we learned a lot over 29 episodes. So the biggest things was we're doing less products now, three products per episode, which even though it's only two less, it makes the biggest difference. Um, we changed the title from Setup Hacks to Best Setup Tech. Just a li- it better reflects the content because we, we stopped doing actual hacks after the first few episodes. Uh, and probably the biggest part of it all is that the three products each episode now have a theme and they fit together. Like they'll all be, you know, something that goes in a monitor stand. They'll be black and white or they'll have something that makes them make more sense and it promotes, you know, buying them as a set instead of just buying them individually. So we kind of just looked at everything that was slowing down with the old series and came up with solutions how to fix that in the new one. And I think so far, so far, it's going pretty well. Well, from an outsider looking in, I think the new version is absolutely excellent. I love the new build segment and the unboxing segment. It kind of gives us more involved. Um, Oh, it's way better to film, too. I bet. I bet it's, I bet it's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we, I, I mean, as a fan looking in, I appreciate the change, and I think it's a lot more professional looking even, so. That's great to hear. Thank yeah, you. great job. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and pretend that I want to start my own YouTube channel. Don't worry, I'm not going to try to compete. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I know some of our, our audience is interested in maybe stepping into some of the reviewing and stuff, and it can be a bit of a bear to start. Can you take yeah. us through some of the basics of, like, being successful, of, like, getting it off the ground? Uh, I mean, the answer you'll get from every YouTuber is quality and consistency. If you put the time into every video and you upload consistently, um, it's very difficult not to see some sort of growth. Um, but the more realistic answer is you really got to know whatever you're talking about. You need to know the industry behind it, the specific market you're talking about, the product, if that's applicable, if it's a product, you need to know the customer that the product will go to, as well as the customer that you're serving the video to. You really need to know the ins and outs of everything. Cause if you're talking like when I will do a video on a PC component nowadays, the reason I don't do those in depth is because I don't know them anymore. I couldn't tell you the percent increase you'd get from this generation i5 CPU from the last one. So I don't stand in front of a camera and act like I do because people see right through that. So if you're going to be talking about a product or something, you really want to know the ins and outs of it. So people hear you saying it and you're speaking the truth and they, they learn to trust you because they know you're speaking the truth. But then and past that, it's really just uh, when you look at other people doing well, just focus on your own thing. Do your own thing. Use your own personality. Um, I remember, like, shifting away from the super formal reviews to more personality-type videos was a big change for the channel, but it was received really well. Um, in personality, you really want to build your brand off your personality. Like, the products will come and go, and even, like, tech might change, and the, the MS tech might not be MS tech. Like, it's the people that stay behind the things, you know? Everything else is a trend in one way or another. But if you can have a solid personality behind it, and you can just be yourself, people will stay. Interesting. So really build your own brand is what I'm hearing, and, and then build the content around what your brand reflects. Absolutely, and, and don't be afraid to switch the content. I've, I've switched content styles all the time uh, to reflect my interest because when I'm no longer interested in something, I either don't know enough about it to speak like truthfully and factually, or I'm just so not interested that I can hardly even act interested in a video. So really just like make the videos you want to make and just be yourself behind it and you should be good 
Interesting. That's a really good input. I, I Like you said, most of the time you do hear just quality and content, quality and content, quality yeah. and content. So it was really yeah. nice to get a real answer to that. I appreciate that. There is some – I'm a little bit hypocritical there because I'm saying right there, make the videos you want to make. And then earlier I say, like, sometimes there's a video I want to make that doesn't perfectly match up with my audience. And I recognize that uh, contradictoriness or contradiction, that contradiction. And I don't have a great answer for it. Like, at this point, it's um, – as it's developed into more of a business, you know, I may want to make a video, but, you know, the business needs to make money. We need to pay the editor and pay the – like, they, at a certain point, logistics get in the way, and you do need to be able to choose between certain videos. But um, if the passion isn't there to some degree, then you're going to lose. Right, right. And I think I think that's a perfect way to explain it. There's always a point of diminishing returns on everything, right? So Yeah. If, if there's a point where there's going to be a lot of money made, but there's no passion, you know that the money's not going to be made because there won't be any drive for that video. Yep. Right? So, yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I think there's always a little bit of contradiction in business. There has to be. So, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's not a balancing act, right? <laughs> yeah, just you got, you got to be choosing between something. Yeah, exactly. So I think the next daunting thing for someone starting up is hardware. Like, where do you start? What do you need? What, where, where can I get, like, bare bones, you know, so, to get me off the ground? We're in an interesting time now. I have, like, when I started, if you wanted to start, you would get a $200 point-and-shoot camera and start. But nowadays, the best camera you will have until you spend 800 to $1,000 is your phone. You know, you already have it in there. You can get a $50, like, blue uh, snowball mic or something and put your phone on a cheap $15 Amazon tripod and you have an actual production that can look good. The image you can get out of phones is absolutely ridiculous. Even, like, two, even three-year-old phones, you can still get perfect footage out of. Uh, the sound is pretty bad, so that's why I recommend the other mic. But then with the cameras, I don't know, uh, once you actually upgrade to it, a lot of people go DSLRs. I did the Canon T3i. Um, I know the Canon ADD is big right now. But really the gear isn't isn't too important. As long as you have a phone... Uh, and a mic or something, and you get it above that, like, this is hard to watch phase, then then you're you're set, and you really should just focus on the content. Right. Do you do you have any videos from the vault that are just in that too hard to watch? Oh, my God. I have, I've never deleted a video I'm proud of. Um, but, well, not, like, an old video because, oh, I've deleted videos for other reasons. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like to go back to them and look back and be like, wow, I forgot that, like, I didn't even know that light helped video and that you need to light things up. Like I didn't know anything back then, but that, that was the fun of it. So it sounds like you you use an editor now, which probably uses a lot of software and stuff to do that. But before yeah. you had a you had a dedicated editor, did you edit your own stuff? And if so, how did you do that, or what software did you use? Yeah, so I edited the first uh, 200 or so videos, which at that point that was why I went to a new editor. Um, I used Vegas Pro. For the first, I want to say, like 150 videos, Sony Vegas. Um, and that I would say out of the big three, which are like Sony Vegas, uh, Adobe Premiere, and Final Cut, out of the big three, Vegas is definitely the simplest, um, easiest to learn, the most efficient. Uh, so that's why I stuck with it for a while. Eventually, I switched over to Premiere um, just because everyone else was, and I was like, oh, this is so amazing. Not really needed. Um, but... I would say if you have any experience with a video editing software, that's going to be the one that you want to stick with for the time being. Really, you can get a very similar edit out of all of them. It just depends which ones you're used to and which ones you can do the most effectively. And then above all else, if you're serious about making videos, pay for the software. 
It's uh, it's very easy to pirate it, but it's also very dangerous, especially if you're earning an income from using that software. It's just not something you want to get into. So would you say that's probably one of your most important purchases is that is that software? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can't disclose exactly when I purchased it, um, but purchasing it was like in in the grand scheme of things. Once you actually start earning the income, it's it should be one of the first steps. But it's easy it's easy to just be like, oh no, it's fine, it's work. Like, but you really you really do. Because yeah, some of that software can can look kind of scary, expensive. I mean, some of them I know Adobe is like a monthly subscription that you're like, man, I I now have a bill for this business. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're getting good about it with that monthly thing, and uh, even Final Cut's only like a couple hundred bucks now. But it's still it it, see, it, it is a, at the very beginning. Of course, it's going to be a big purchase, but it really helps legitimize things. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you almost feel obligated to use it properly after that. So what other advice do you have for people starting out? I mean, you've given some awesome advice. You said don't shoot certain videos if you don't feel it or if it doesn't work, and you've given us some great advice on how to start. But you got any other insight for us that would just be great for a newbie? Um, Laugh. You know, be yourself. Have fun. Uh, I, I like to film with – I like it. I prefer when I have somebody behind the camera. It doesn't happen at college because both the people I work with are in a different state. Um, but when there's somebody else in the room – it makes a world of a difference because it turns into a conversation. You make fun of each other. You, you tease a little bit. And those are fantastic clips to include um, in the video. And even if it's a serious video, like, there are people out there that will do a perfect full review of any product if it's a product review type of thing you're going for. Um, and it's very hard to compete with guys using $50,000 cameras who do this full time, who have a huge studio. Like, there are people that can do those reviews absolutely perfect. So, a way that you can compete without having to just copy what they do and put more time into it is be yourself, add humor to it, add your own little style to it. Um, I've really been focusing on humor recently and seen some great results. It helps because the, the new editor we have, uh, he's really good at making memes about me. So that's that's been received really well. But um, I would say at the beginning, the thing working most against my growth was the lack of humor and the lack of personality in it. You were just a little too rigid? Yeah, I was just a little too rigid, and at that time I thought, like, the ideal channel was one that, like, had perfect B-roll shots and a voiceover, and, like, I thought that was that's what I strove for, almost. And, like, looking back at that, I was like, that's the stupidest thing ever. You strove to be unoriginal. Um, but then, I mean, it also has to do with just being comfortable in front of a camera and whatnot, but eventually you can just start, you really just want to push yourself to, express yourself within the video and like people will like relate to that and when they relate to that they want to watch it and they feel like oh i know what that guy's thinking like i totally understand what he's saying and that that type of connection it's almost like a friendship through a screen and that's the type of connection that keeps people coming back right no it makes a hundred percent sense i mean if you if you don't want to be a personality, you probably shouldn't be shooting videos that need personalities. So. Exactly, exactly. And I learned that the hard way, but I learned it eventually. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, first off, thank you so much for all this awesome information. And I want to switch gears one more time on you, and totally. let's talk about some fun stuff. So, I'm sure there's been some great bloopers or some stuff that we've never seen as fans. What are some what's some funny stories that you've got from being, your time as being a reviewer? Oh man. Um, I, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot behind that. I wouldn't say there's any huge blooper that I've left out, but like, I'm a, I'm a very vocally expressive person. 
So like when I when I mess up a line or something, I will express my emotions about that mess up. Um, and there's a lot, especially when there is someone else in the room, like I mentioned earlier, there'll be a lot of interaction and comments that we can't include in the video because, you know, we cater to our 14 to 18 audience, which is the, mar the biggest percent of it. Um, so there's a lot of it that we can't really include in that because it's just maybe a little inappropriate or just not not something we want to represent the brand. But those are probably my favorite, my most favorite bloopers are the ones where it's just like roasting each other or roasting myself or just uh, th that goes on all the time. And that's what really drives it behind it. Just kind of making fun of each other, but in the best way. Actually, funny story about that. This is a perfect answer. I just thought of this. So recently, my uh, my editor has started doing this Vape Lord uh, meme of me and putting it throughout random videos. And it'll do like little teeny frames in the outro, and it'll just be like my face and like Vape Lord, or it'll be like, it'll say it all over. Um, and it's just his way of like secretly messing with me. And like no, some people have started to notice it, notice it and tweet at me, and it's... uh. It, it's very funny to see because I won't even see it, and then somebody will tweet it at me, and I'll be like, oh, my God, not again. Oh, that's awesome. So he's throwing a little – I'm going to have to start watching a little closer. There's Easter eggs, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he loves the memes. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. So where did Vape Lord come from? Are you a vapor or something? Uh, I'm not even – I mean, uh, like, everyone has messed around with it or tried it. Um, I don't, I'm not – I wouldn't consider myself really into it or anything, but I think that was him just – Giving you a hard time. Yeah, taking a crack at me because he knows he can. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm sure you've been asked this every time, every interview, but what's your favorite product or episode you, or you reviewed or shot? Oh, that's that's tough. Um, product? Uh, this, this is kind of a cheating answer because I just did this video, but uh, the inboard M1 skateboard, uh, electric skateboard, I just did the video on it. I've had it for about a month. It's my favorite because previously I would have to take Ubers to and from the office and whatnot, and I was spending a lot of money and getting Ubers, and now I literally just ride a, an electric skateboard 20 miles per hour on the street, down the street, and I get there faster, saves money over time. I, I love this thing. Um, it's changed my commute completely, and it's like I'm outside instead of in a car. Um, so I really like that. But my favorite videos that I've made have been the ones at, like, events. Um, so I I went to the Luxury Technology Show in New York or, like, Viva Technology in Paris. And even um, I did one – I uploaded a video where I was just giving a speech to this, uh, this like, business association kind of thing um, about doing YouTube as a business. And I've liked making those videos a lot because, in a way, it legitimizes it. So it's not just, like, me – in my little own office, like, with no one else there filming and, like, putting these random videos on the Internet and somehow, you know, making a business out of it. Like, when when we go to these shows and we have an actual team and we're doing interview-style videos or I'm on a stage, like, giving a presentation, those have a really strong effect on me of legitimization and making it feel like this is real and I built this and what I did got me here. And when when those moments come, it's just like, wow. Yeah, I just step back and it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, I bet that that sounds like an awesome moment to have to be standing in some place like Paris and be like, "Wow, my videos yeah. got me here." <laughs> that was awesome. I got to meet some cool people like uh, Super Saf, who's a big tech YouTuber, and even Matthew Santoro, who isn't tech but he's a huge YouTuber. Yeah, it's just interesting to see uh, just them as people. Right. Just hanging out. Yeah.
Right, because you, you get to see them in whatever persona that they put out, but I'm sure they're a little bit different when they're not chopped and edited. Yeah, it, it was that was a really interesting um, kind of distinction. So, like, Matthew Santoro and Super Saf especially, Super Saf establishes himself as a celebrity. Like, kind of everything he does, he has a he has a very specific brand image. So, like, even when I'm with him in person and we have, like, comparable channel sizes, I still feel like Starstruck. Because, like, he's got the glasses on that he always has in his video. He talks like a celebrity. Like, you know, there's certain things that I haven't quite learned about, you know, having influence. Like, that they're just, like, really good at – I can't even describe it well, but, like, he was really good at, like, when we would talk to somebody, a representative from Motorola, um, about their phone. Like, he would jump right in and be like, it's great to meet you. Like, we'd love to get our hands on these devices for a review. Um, if you have any contacts, like, they would exchange business cards. You know, I'm there with my friend at the time who was the editor, um, and we're just sitting there, like, walking around looking at cool tech and filming stuff. So um, there's definitely – it's really interesting to see people in person and, you know, see what, what is and what isn't off camera. So is that something that you personally have been working on with yourself, is, is being more outward and, and, and marketing-focused? Uh, see, I don't even know because I've, uh, I've been recognized a few times, and every time I'm recognized, I, like – I'm a, I, I take a very casual approach to it. Like, I'm, I'm just a normal guy, you know. And if, if we see, like, awesome, let's talk about some tech or something, talk about, like, whatever, wherever we see each other. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that type of celebrity persona as something I'll ever adopt. I think it, it definitely does wonders for the brand image and everything because it makes it seem awesome. But uh, I honestly think that a lot of my brand image is that I'm just a casual college student and that's how it's relatable. Um, so I've been working on being a little bit more, like sometimes I'll, I'll be a little quiet or something. I've been working about being a little bit more comfortable with it, uh, I guess. Because, I don't know, it, it's weird when somebody comes up and, like, they know you, and they've seen you a lot, and, like, they know how you talk, and they know your mannerisms, and then you don't know anything about them. So it's a little daunting at first, but, you know, through work and just, you know, experience, eventually I'll get a little better at it. Yeah, it'll take some time, but you'll you'll get used to it. Have you had anyone come up and say your catch line to you yet? No, actually, I I hope one day that happens. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. So where'd that come from? Where did you where did you decide to get stay classy or Anchorman, of course, uh, Ron Burgundy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I said it in the first video. Uh, I don't even know if I said it in the first video. I don't know why I said it when I started saying it, but it stuck and. I think that's probably the longest-running tradition of the channel. Even the name, MS Tech, that changed to uh, my full name, Matt Schaefer, for a while. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just kind of one of those, it just happened, and now we're running with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you can't, you can't abandon it now. It's like half of the half of the show now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Matthew, I want to thank you so much for being here today, and I'm not going to take up any more of your time. You guys have given us some, you know, you've given us some awesome insight today on how to start your own YouTube channel and some background on yours. And so I want to give you an opportunity to tell the, the fans here where, the, where they can see you, how they can connect with you, um, and where, if you're going to any events or anything like that, that they can catch you at. Absolutely. So my YouTube channel, uh, the official channel name is MS Tech Central, like in the URL. I was young and dumb, uh, but the actual channel name is MS Tech. Twitter is MS Tech YT. Definitely, if you want to, like, talk to me or anything, shoot me a tweet. I'm pretty active over there, and that's where I uh, can respond to most people and kind of get in conversations and whatnot. I don't have any events planned, unfortunately. Um, there's a few that could have been, but I've got a really weird summer schedule and whatnot. So I'm going to try to get out to, uh, I guess, CES next year. But, um, 
yeah, come check me out. Hopefully you guys like what you see and you want to stay and perhaps see more in the future. And that's all the time we have today for this episode of Voice Activated. Thank you so much for stopping by today, Matthew, and giving us some insight on what it's like to run your own YouTube channel. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Make sure you guys like and comment, and um, we'll see you again next month.